God's been laying on my heart a bit of a one of the one of the prophets from the Old Testament for quite a while to share next time I speak. And um, then I got given this date, and I'm like, how does that line up with Pentecost, Lord? Um, you know, and. Um, Interestingly enough, my journey through that has, has been pretty clear. And um, one of the things the Lord said to me today is, Corey, don't speak too much. Let me do the stuff. So I'm going to try my best to not speak too much. Those of you who know me, that, that could be struggle at times. <laughs> um, but my heart this morning is that, a, that, that, that you would encounter a Pentecost-like encounter with the Holy Spirit today. And that's why the Lord wants me to not go too long so that you can engage with him at that, with that. Um, that the kids can still be in there and you're not thinking about your children, you're not worried about going to the shops to get the groceries that you have to do or whatever it is that you normally do after church on a Sunday. So please, I encourage you to hang around and start to engage in what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you today. Um, I'm just going to quickly pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Without you, <laughs> this morning is going to be real short. And without so much purpose. So we just say, we welcome you here this morning, Holy Spirit. Come with your power. Come just bind anything of the enemy would seek to rob, steal, and destroy from us? And would you just move with each and every one of us this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So the Lord, he's been speaking to me about a minor prophet or a prophet in the Old Testament called Elijah. Not Elijah, Elijah. And they come immediately after each other. And um, Elijah, the predecessor to Elijah is quite a unique person in the Bible, actually. He's, he ascended like Jesus ascended. He didn't die. Quite a unique story. And he's well known for calling upon the fire of God to fall upon the things and burn them up. And um, the Old Testament time is quite a fiery time between, you know, God wants to rule and reign, but man wants to do their own thing. And so the prophets would often bring upon the fire and get things back on track. And um, Elijah was very different. And so God's been sharing his heart with me a lot lately. But what I love about Elijah is he is a man who modeled the hunger for the things of God. And I think it should encourage us greatly, and I actually think it lines up perfectly with the message of Pentecost. I really do. But what I feel the Lord wants you to do this morning as I unpack some of Elijah, Elijah, um, is this question. How hungry are you personally for the things of the Spirit and of the Lord? How hungry are you? So even if that's all you get from this morning, have that conversation with the Lord. How hungry are you for the things of him? All right, so here's a little bit of unpacking. Now, Elisha, his name means Jehovah, my saviour. 
And it's quite interesting out of the prophets in the Old Testament. Now, there's kind of two types of prophets. There's the prophets that predicted the future, which is often what um, the religious church and the scholars of today talk about as prophets. And we'll often talk about as a, as a, as a vineyard church that you can still be prophetical now. And Elijah was one of those types of prophets which could see things of the Spirit in the here and now. And many of the things he did was very Jesus-like. To the point where when Elijah was taken up, Elijah cried out, Father, Father. Now, if you know much about history and and, and the unpacking of the Bible and and being a biblical scholar, when something's said twice... It means it's going to happen again. And if you know your Bible reasonably well, you'll know that Jesus actually said that when he's hanging on the cross. Um, there's a whole pile of stuff up here that's very cool that Elisha did. And I don't want to unpack every single one of those, but you might start to remember who he is and what he did a little bit with those. So like he parts the river and walks across dry land. Now he did that immediately after he received the mantle from Elijah just to show that everybody that was watching that, oh, hold on, yes, he has received the mantle, and this is God's man. You see, in the Old Testament, the people of Israel, the Jews had given up a personal relationship with God. They wanted man to take it. They got scared when Moses went up the mountain and there was fire and lightning and all of those things. They said, no, too scary for us, back away. There's a bit of a story in that for us, by the way. Back away, let the man at the front do the work for us. And you know what? It just failed time and time again. The kings would let them down and the prophets would also struggle with that as well. Anyway, so they're looking to have one man to lead all of them spiritually. And so Elijah became that man. He did things like heal the water at Jericho. Um, The bad boys of Bethel is a bit of a personal favorite of mine. You see, uh, they were mocking him for being bald. And so he called down, he called down upon them God's justice and two female bears came out of the woods and mauled a lot of them. There's about, by the way, there's about 42 boys in this group. You need to hear this. It's not boys. They're like 20 and they were very, very condescending to the man of God. So he just said, God, bring your justice to those men. This is kind of the Old Testament biblical times, you know. The fire of God fell on them in two bears and they were destroyed. Um, That's how seriously God takes it when we mock him, I guess. It's a bit of a picture. Um, But I like that one. You know, just be careful to not mock the bald man. Anyway. All right, then there's the, you know, he, um, now that says ads. It's supposed to say aids. He helps the three kings against Moab. Um, He turns little into much for the widow. Now, she had this tiny little jar of honey and was poor. So he said, go away and pour it into stuff and into as many jars as you can find and sell it. And so she did. And once her sons ran out of jars, the honey stopped flowing out of this tiny little thing. Anyway, she got, you know, it's just miracle after miracle after miracle. Um, He makes a barren woman fall pregnant and then later on raises her dead boy to life Hmm, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Very Jesus-like. He turns poison food into good food. He feeds 100 people with 20 loaves and some some bag of flour. Now, that sounds pretty Jesus-like. I think you'd agree. And he heals a commander of the army from leprosy. 
also very Jesus-like. This one's really cool. This is probably the one most people remember about, unfortunately, Elijah, is that he makes an axe head float to the top of the river, which doesn't sound that cool, but when I think about it, axe heads don't float. I don't know if you knew that or not, but axe heads are really heavy. Okay, and so the picture I would like you to get from this is just that Elijah, as he goes about his day-to-day as a prophet of God, is very much in the normal as well as elevated. He helps kings, so he was like in the palace. He was so well thought of because he could hear the voice of God that he got invited into places that others would not. But he was also very practical in the everyday. He helps the widow. He helps, you know, (laughs) raises a boy to life. An axe head gets lost and the, and the guy is worried about his job because without an axe he cannot work. So Jesus, uh, not Jesus, Elijah gets the axe head back for him so he can continue to work. The compassion that he had. I think the model of Elijah could teach us a lot. So I want to have a bit of a, an unpack of 2 Kings 6, 8 to 23. And if you could turn to that in your Bibles with me, I want to go through a couple of those questions that I have up there. You see, we, like Elijah, Elisha, sorry, I should say it that way a bit better, need to look for things of God in our everyday. And um, this story here... I say story, I guess it still is a story, but it's a truth story. I want to make that really clear. It's not a tale, it's not a child's story, it's a truth. And I'm going to read it through and um, then we'll have a chat about those couple of those questions. All right, so here we go. 2 Kings 6, 8. When the king of Ammon was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, we will mobilize our forces at such and such a place. But immediately, Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, do not go near that place, for the Armenians are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and time again, Elisha warned the king so that, they, that he would be on alert there. The king of Arman became very upset over all of this. You can imagine it. Can you imagine it? Every time he goes out to set up this big trap, he gets foiled. What the heck's going on? It'd be pretty tricky. He called his officers together and demanded. I can imagine it was, demanded's a bit of a light word. I reckon he'd be pretty ticked as a king. Which of you is the traitor? You can kind of imagine it. Who has been forming the king of Israel of my plans? And I imagine the, um, the chiefs, the commanders that he has are a bit nervous at this one. He's pretty ticked off. Not ask my lord the king, one of the officers replied. Elisha, the prophet of Israel, tells the king of Israel every word you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Imagine being told that all the way to the privacy of your bedroom. That's how accurately 
Elisha was hearing God's voice. Just that blows me away that accurately. So this is what the king commanded. Go out and find where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. Imagine that. The prophet of God, Elisha, becomes the most valuable asset to capture in a warfare. That's how accurately he's hearing the voice of God. And the report came back. Elisha is at Dothan. So one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. Now this is the bit that I start to really like. So that's all just a prequel to it. You know, this is why the commander wanted to go get him. When the servant of the man of God, that's Elisha, so he's got a servant, got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops and horses and chariots everywhere. Imagine waking up to that. In the morning you get up out of your tent and you go for refresh yourself and well, I reckon that might be a little bit scary considering where they're at and the times that they're in. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. I reckon that's kind of tempered down. I don't imagine that's kind of how he said it, if you get my meaning. I think he might have been a little bit more panicked. I think there might have, if you put it into a modern-day context, some rather, you know, not-so-nice words said in that sentence. Elisha told him, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid, he told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Woo! That, that is a totally different picture when you see things with the spiritual lens of God through the Holy Spirit. As the Armenian army advanced towards him, Elijah prayed. Now, Elijah, not on, Elisha not only saw the battle, but then engaged with it. O Lord, make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elijah had asked. Now here's where I find the story gets really interesting. Because quite often, now imagine his mentor before him, this is the bit where the fire of God would fall upon them and they'd all be dead. This is where he does a very much Jesus-like response, in my opinion. And I think it's a challenge to each and every one of us. Elijah went out and told them. So he goes out to them and he says, You've come the wrong way. This isn't the right city. Follow me and I'll take you to the man you are looking for. Which is not true because they're looking for him and they'd already found him. He's right amongst them. And he led them to the city of Samaria. As soon as they had entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, Oh Lord, open their eyes and let them see. Can you imagine it? Oh. I'm just seeing this in a picture of today as well, but I'm also seeing it how that might have been back then. And the Lord opened their eyes and they discovered they were in the middle of Samaria. Now you need to understand, I think you can see it when you look down a little bit further, they're now in the middle of Israel with all of Israel's troops surrounding them. They've been led into a trap. 
When the king of Israel saw them, he shouted to Elisha, My father, should I kill them? Should I kill them? You can almost hear the bloodlust. Should I kill them? They're at war. That's what you do. You kill them, yeah? Can you imagine if you put this into our context and we have this opportunity to get vengeance? How do we respond? Well, Elijah, again, listening to the Spirit, listen to what he says. Of course not, Elisha replied. Do we kill prisoners of war? Give them food and drink and send them home again to their master. That is the complete and opposite response. It it just flies in the face of everything we might want to do. So the king made a great feast for them and sent them home to their master. After that, the Armenian radians stayed away from the land of Israel. I wonder why. I find that story just amazing. So much personal learning in that for me, to the point where um, I want to share a little bit of a story. Because when you know that you're going to be preaching on a Sunday about a topic, usually my experience is that God then takes you through that journey. And I'm like, Lord, I don't really want to see an army on the hill and have to stand up and face that and have the right response. Um, and it had me really nervous. So anyway, I went, went for a motorbike ride yesterday. Now, I did not want to go for this motorbike ride because I knew I had to prepare for today. I actually knew that I had to prepare for today because I hadn't. My week had been really busy and yesterday was my day to prepare for today. And the Lord said, nah, don't worry about it. I got your back. Go on the ride. And the reason why he wanted me to go on the ride is because I knew I'd be the only person of Jesus on this ride. And we were going to hang out with a, a, a guy a little bit older than me who's been suffering a lot of depression. So we went to pick him up and take him out and give him a really good day, just to let him know he was loved. And so I'm riding to this guy's house with my mates, and um, I'm like, right, oh Lord, I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to lay hands on him, and I'm going to pray for him, because yeah, I know that's what you would do. And um, well, it didn't happen at the first stop, it didn't happen at the second stop, and it didn't happen at the third stop. In fact, I didn't pray for him at all. I talked to him, I shared how much that he was loved, and all of those things, but not one point did I invite the kingdom of God to come into his life. Now, that flies a little bit in the face for me. That is not normal Corey behavior, and I hopped on my bike to come home feeling a complete and utter failure, if I'm going to be completely honest with you. Um, I love nothing more than praying for the kingdom to come for people when they're in pain. And on my ride home, and um, it's funny, I shared this with my wife a little bit later. She's much wiser than me. I had to wrestle with it all day long, right? Um, But she was like, yeah, derf ready. You're a bit slow, Corey. But on the way home, the Lord showed me that that was my army on the hill. And I'd kind of miss seeing the spiritual picture and how God wanted to deal with it. You see, God wants me to build slow relationship with him. And that was enough. If I'd have gone the other way and attacked, I actually would have scared him away. The Lord was really clear on answering that after a while and after I saw it and unpacked it. You see, sometimes when we look at the problems that we have in and around us, we're not looking at it all of the time with the Holy Spirit eye. Now, that might sound a little bit weird because to pray for him would have been something of the Holy Spirit. Most people would agree, yeah? But it wasn't what the Lord wanted me to do because he could see a bigger picture that I could not. And in it for me was, ah, I get my story now. I've experienced it and it wasn't as scary as I first thought. 
It wasn't like a really scary army. It was just something I've got to work through and actually trust that the Holy Spirit can do it without me having to do it. Do you get the difference? I'm a control freak and I love to make it happen and organise. And even this morning, to not have a full message to unpack scares me. I like to have it all nailed down. Trusting that the Holy Spirit's got my back and that he can do it and see the big picture. I imagine as Elijah went through that, he was in constant conversation with God. So you can see my three questions up on the screen. They're rhetorical. You don't need to answer them except to have the conversation with the Lord about them. In our day-to-day normal life, are you looking for the things of the Spirit? I know myself personally, the more I do, the more I see. And it kind of blows me away that even though I, I feel like I fall way short of what God wants me to be doing. Um, I I consider myself a very normal bloke. Nothing super special about me. And the more I listen to what the Lord is doing in my life on the day-to-day, where I get to talk with people about their problems in my workplace and offer to pray for it, just real simple little stuff. Um... So for me, yesterday was about what I see and how I included God in my action plan. I thought God wanted me to pray for him. I really did, but he didn't. Sounds a bit weird, but I know now I'm the peace after going through the process and having a chat with him some more. And the other one is, you know, the end of the, the Elisha story that I've unpacked this morning... Do we offer the high grace results? I want to unpack a little bit of another story from me at my workplace at the moment. I'm in a, um, I'm in a new school and my job over there is to manage um, a number of staff members over there that, that they're, they're not doing okay. They're actually not doing okay. Um, they've had a lot of change and they're upset. And so I'm another change agent that comes in. And... Um, so I've had a lot of conversations and they're coming into my office and saying, I don't normally share this. I don't, wouldn't normally say this. And I'm like, well, I understand that's just the Holy Spirit. I don't say that, of course. But I've, every day that I go to work, I have to go, what would you do here? Because my bosses tell me a different response to those problems that they're sharing with me. To the point where two of, two, two of my staff members, they would have a very severe response to them and it's been told for me to do that. Kill them, basically, in a nutshell. And I'm just saying, Lord, what do you want me to do here? Um, it's really hard to have that high grace when you're in the world. And I think, you know, if you put that into your context with everything you do in your day-to-day, whether it be at school, your workplace, family, going with the high grace, what is it that you want me to do here, Holy Spirit? So let, I, the next thing I was, um, feel the Lord wanted me to talk about um, is how did Elijah go about having Elijah, sorry, go about having this serious hunger, this crazy faith that he had, and do amazing things. 
to me, when I read the full story, from the moment he was commissioned by Elijah through to when Elisha passed away. By the way, he passed away a sick man and a normal death. Okay, nothing super special about the way he died. These are the two things that I get and the two pieces of scripture that I think for us, if we're wanting a more relationship in the Holy Spirit, are really pertinent for us to have a conversation with him about. You see, when, when called by Elijah, if you, if you have a look at that piece of scripture, 1 Kings 19, you can follow it along if you want to look it up, 1 Kings 19, 19 to 21. Now, Elijah gets told by God to go get Elisha. So you can imagine the prophet of God for Israel comes to you and says, Righto, come follow me, a bit Jesus-like. All right. But it's Elisha's response to the call. And you think about right now, and I know when I think about the times that the Lord calls me, the sorts of things that go on in my head, Lord, I'm busy. I don't know if I can afford it. I don't have time. Really busy right now. What's the wife going to say? I'm doing something really important right now. These are the things we deal with in the everyday. You know, life is busy. And I think that's a deceit of the enemy to keep us busy. Folks, really do. I'm pretty busy and I know that some days I wake up in the morning and go, G'day, Jesus, how you doing? And the next time I talk to Jesus is when I put my head on the pillow and I'm going to sleep. Oh, hey, Jesus, I've got to talk to you today. Sorry about that. And then I'm asleep. I didn't fill my day with Jesus at all. There was nothing God about my day. Then there's other days where I allow him in and I take the time to allow him in. If you read in 1 Kings 19, 19 to 21, you'll see that Elisha did two things. First thing he did is he killed his ox. The second thing he did was he broke apart his plow and used it to cook the ox and feed all of the people around him. Those are the two things he did. I kind of call it burning the safety bridge, cutting the safety rope. You know, when we step out for Jesus, when we step out with the Holy Spirit's leading, I'm guilty of this. I make sure my safety net's there for me and the risk is just not as big. And I've failed many times. I find this really challenging, folks, to share with you because I struggle with it myself. The question for each and every one of us in this room, can we have an Elijah-like response for when God calls us? even though in the past we might have been hurt or felt like we failed. He wants us, the Holy Spirit wants us to be Elisha-like. Now, the reason why I shared you all of the amazing things that Elisha did, he didn't have something we do. He didn't have the Holy Spirit. We do. We do. The next one that I've got up there, point two, 
is from 2 Kings 2, 1 to 12. This is where Elijah passed on to Elijah the double portion. Now, it's been about 13 years between those two pieces of scripture. That's a long time, isn't it, to, to faithfully serve somebody. To faithfully just be there and serve. And Elijah recognised that service in Elisha. So the first thing I would say in that is hang in there. If God's told you to do something, hang in there. Now I know I'm guilty myself of giving up on that. Going got too tough. I got distracted, whatever it is. I didn't hang in there. But Elijah recognized it in Elijah and asked him, what do you want? Did you know that the Holy Spirit says to you daily, what do you want? Do we hear it? He does. He says it to you daily. What do you want? I love Elijah's response. I want to be able to do twice what you did. It's kind of what he says. Twice the power, twice the pouring out of your spirit upon me. Double portion. And um, the, the verses in there that sit in there, basically Elijah said to Elisha, you need to be there when I go. When the Lord takes me, you need to be there. And if you read it, there were so many distractions. They went from place to place and people would say, oh, no, even his own boss, Elijah, said to him, don't bother coming on this trip. Don't bother. It's all right. You don't, you don't need to. How many times do we get distracted when God calls us to something? I know I do. I'm so easily distracted. I'll tell you what, these things here, my goodness, there's some of you on them right now. How can you be focused on what God wants to say to you on this? I'm guilty of doing it too. Don't worry, I'm not telling you off. I'm guilty of it. Because Elisha, no matter what, was dogmatically holding on to the vision that God had given him, he received the double portion. He got to see Elijah taken up. Now, 50 other prophets, by the way, were across the river. They saw it too, but they weren't there. They all got to see it. But Elisha hung in there, stayed by his side, and got the double portion. So, in a nutshell, I think the Lord is saying a couple of things to us this morning. Like I said, I want to be brief this morning. I want to get out of the way for what the Holy Spirit wants to do today. It's Pentecost Sunday. And if you don't know what that means, that's when the Holy Spirit came after Jesus was gone. He fell upon the people of God and they got wrecked for him. I'm going to share a bit of a story my wife just said to me before. She says, what does that even mean to be like drunk? My wife's never been drunk, okay, ever. And there might be some of you in here that have never been drunk. What does that mean? What does that look like even? I said to her, babe, 
people, like my wife doesn't even drink at all. She's a good girl. And um, you know what? It's, it's, I said to her, oh, people get a bit happy. And you know what? Probably the biggest thing is they let down their guard a little bit. Oh, I just had a revelation. Are you, let, are you prepared to let down your guard this morning? Are you prepared? That's what the Holy Spirit wants you to get. And I got that like two minutes before I got up. Thank you, David, for sharing this morning. Are you prepared to let down your guard and go there with him again? Are you prepared to cut your safety net, your comfortableness of living in the West and get messy with God and hang on? Because that's what he wants from us. It's there for each and every one of us. It's going to look different for each and every person in here. We all have different levels of baggage. I know I do. This is as challenging for me as it probably is for many of you in here. To say, yes, Lord, what do you want me to do? And go for it. Leaving my baggage there and stubbornly follow him. As I was, um, I took the day off on Friday to go see my father up in Harvey Bay and I was left at about 4am in the morning to go up and see him. He had an appointment at the hospital and um, as I'm driving up the coast I thought, no, I might listen to, I don't listen to worship music very often. Worship music doesn't really um, take me to that place that it does for other people. I love reading God's word. That takes me there. I love going into nature. That takes me there. But the Lord said, no, nah, listen to some worship music, Corey. I'm like, yeah, all right, fair enough. I'll do it if you tell me I have to, Lord. For some people, that sounds really strange, right? Yeah, well, that's me. And um, this song played by Bethel, and I started weeping just out of nowhere. I'm like, oh, that's what it's like for some people. All right, that's pretty cool. The Lord encountered me in my car on my ride, drive up to Harvey Bay, and it was probably the highlight of my day, to be honest, um, because I got to hang out with the Holy Spirit and have a chat to him. Now, I want to get Simone up to play that. So if you, if you could come on up and get yourself ready for that, Simone. Um, Scott, if you could change over the data. I'm going to get the the words for the song that Simone's going to sing because I want to go into a ministry time now. Now, you can be passive and stay in your seat or passive-aggressive and stay in your seat or you can be proactive. However the Lord wants you to do this is what matters. But can I tell you, there's like a river of God flowing out the front here. I heard it up the back. Abby called it out. She prophetically called it out. Abby's not even here. She's in next door. She's going to, well, she's probably already experienced it back there. But there is a river of God flowing out here that you can come and hop in and be part of. But I'm sure he's happy to deal with you where you are. The key is, are you willing in here to let go? It's called Fall Afresh, and um, this, is, this is pretty much where I, I just, I'm going to hand over right now to the Holy Spirit to do His thing. I'm going to get out of the way.
because I think it's much more important that you have some time with him. Take as long as you need. The words are basically just, if you sing them and you want it to be part of where you're at, is just inviting him to come afresh on you. There's nothing unbiblical about it, asking the Holy Spirit, who's already in you, by the way, just to light you up more again. Renew where you're at. I encourage you to come out the front, lie down, kneel, stand where you are, kneel where you are, but read the words, listen to them into your heart and soul and engage with the Holy Spirit. And feel free to talk to people about it. Come and see us if you want to. And then feel free to just, you know, go about your business at the end. Because this, as we segue into this, is pretty much the end of today's service with you guys. So God bless. So I'm just going to pray. Again, Lord, Holy Spirit, come. We don't want to follow man. We don't want to be burdened with the busyness and the distractions of this world. We want you. We want your direction. We want your leading. We want your vision. So right now, Holy Spirit, sweep aside all other things. And come, Holy Spirit, come meet with us and fall afresh upon us again, Lord. We're desperate for you. Like Elisha was desperate for you. We want to be desperate for you. to hunger to see